Hello, and welcome to the Hinterviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the studio of the Great Canadian Theatre Company in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the second interview of the NAC English Theatre's 2010-11 season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Vimy playwright Vern Thiessen about the writing process of a playwright and the creation and development of Vimy, which played at the Irving Greenberg Theatre Centre from November 9th to December 11th and was the first co-production between the NAC and the GCTC. For more information about the NAC English Theatre GCTC co-production of Vimy, please visit www.nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Vern Thiessen. My name is Peter Hinton, and I'm the Artistic Director of English Theatre at the National Arts Centre. And uh, this is a very special interview, it's something we do at the NAC. And uh, we're doing it here in the Studio Theatre at GCTC um, because they have been our partner in this show together. This is a production co-produced between the Great Canadian Theatre Company and the NAC of Vern Thiessen's Vimy. And uh, so we thought it'd be great for everyone to do the interview here and for you to get a chance to meet Vern and talk to him. And uh, before I invite you to join me in welcoming Mr. Thiessen, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Vern Thiessen is one of Canada's most produced playwrights. He's written for stage, radio, and television. His stage plays have been seen across Canada, the US, and Europe including Shakespeare's Will, Apple, Einstein's Gift, Blowfish, The Resurrection of John Frum, and Vimy. Mr. Thiessen is the recipient of numerous awards, including the Elizabeth Sterling Haynes Award for Outstanding New Play, the City of Edmonton Arts Achievement Award, the University of Alberta Alumni Award for Excellence, the Canadian Jewish Playwriting Competition, and the Governor General's Literary Award, Canada's highest honour for playwriting. He's also been shortlisted for the prestigious Semenovich Prize in Theatre. He received his BA from the University of Winnipeg, MFA from the University of Alberta. He has been playwright in residence at Workshop West Theatre, where he founded the Playwrights Garage Program, and the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton. And that's the theatre where this play, Vimy, premiered. He's the past president of both the Playwrights Guild of Canada and the Writers Guild of Alberta. And he currently, I'm so jealous, divides his time between Edmonton, Alberta, and New York City. So please join me in welcoming Vern Thiessen. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Right on. Um, I'm going to start, Vern, by asking you a sort of one of these frustratingly broad, open-ended questions that I hate when I get asked. 
It's not revenge, it's just interest. Um, why are you a playwright? What draws you to playwriting? Well, people pay me to do it, so that's <laughs> always a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm often asked that question, and I come up with different answers sometimes. And, um, you know, I started out as an actor and still do that very rarely. And I got into playwriting because I was writing stuff for myself, and then I got commissioned to write stuff. And so it really, to some extent, it was because people were paying me to write, and I thought, oh, this is cool. Um, but then, of course, you you decide to make a career of it, and uh, and then you realize that it's actually a calling, a bit of a calling, that you need to, um, it's a kind of a gift from the gods that you need to honor. Uh, so that's the kind of deeper answer. But I think, really, at the end of the day, it's the one thing in life that doesn't bore me. Uh. So, you know, <laughs> acting bored me. You know, I, I've done a lot of teaching, which I love doing, but eventually that bores me, and I loved acting, and it bored me. And, I, you know, I've done lots of directed. And then eventually I thought, well, I can't do this full-time. Like, that's just boring. Uh, but playwriting was the one thing that does, that really just doesn't, bore me anytime that I'm sitting down to, to work. And of course you feel like you have some stories to tell and there's other reasons. Um, you know, you feel, you know, writing a play is something that after I, I, I'm dead and gone, one hopes that your work kind of continues to be produced. And so there's a, uh, a really a narcissistic uh, thing of immortality involved. In it. <laughs> so there's all kinds of reasons. Sure. And you write for other mediums, too. So Yeah, although not much in the last little while. I have written for some television and film and radio, but actually in the last, I would say, five years in particular, I've really focused on playwriting, and I rarely do any TV or, or film anymore or radio. Right. And, and, and is there something about the stage that draws you as to uh, writing for film or television or radio? Like, oh, is, sure. Is there something about the live theater that... Absolutely. You know, I, that, that's where I started my career was in the live theater. And uh, it's the only... It's the place that I feel the most at home and that I love. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the place where anything can happen. You can do anything. And it's also the, the place just again, on a kind of a career note or business note, it's the place where you have the most control as, as a theater artist. Um, it's, it's, it's your words and nobody can change them without your permission. And, um, and it, which is not the case in, in film or television where you're really working for somebody else and somebody else's vision. It's your vision. It's how you see the world. And so the theater with an audience and, and actors and a director and that collaborative nature that happens in the theater is really where that's where, you know, that, that, that really turns me on. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, often been said that uh, in English Canada, uh, the theater is the playwright's form mm. as to in French Canada, the theater is the director's form. Mm -hmm where the director gets, you know, it's how the play is directed in, in Quebec. And here uh, in English Canada, it's about the playwright. Do you, do you think that's true? Oh, sure. And it's the same thing in Britain and in the United States, for the most part, the, you know, uh, the playwright is the, the god, so to speak, or 
but you know, at the same time, I love to collaborate with other people who aren't in the theater, and um, I love collaborating, or I love collaborating with fellow artists in the theater, like um, uh, Vimy, for example, is a very good uh, thing where you know I talked to historians and collaborated with them. I, I collaborated with uh, my dramaturg Brian Dooley, who helped me with the French. Um, I collaborated with a designer and the director on the original vision of that play, and without them, that would the, the play wouldn't have happened the way that mm. you wouldn't see what eventually took to the stage. So I, I don't sit in a room and write my play and then go, okay, now do it just the way I wrote it. That's so not how the way do it works. You, like, I, I do want to talk about sure. Vimy for sure in a moment, but like it's it's an interesting thing I think for our audience about how how you write for the theater like do you have voices of actors in your head do you act out the parts do you begin with monologues do you storyboard it do you have a that really depends on the play yeah and every play is different and every play takes on a new life of its own and and so in some cases i i have written specifically for an actor i've been commissioned to write specifically about certain ideas and projects and themes and so that really influences how I go at the play. I recently had a show uh, done in, in New York City and, and also Winnipeg, and it's now running in Toronto, called Lennons and Balmers, which is this <laughs> commission by the Sloan Foundation, which is a science organization in the United States. And so I worked with, uh, I worked with an embalmer, that was my collaborator, to figure out you know, the science of embalming. And so I became very, you know, good friends with this with this person who I was working with. So I've worked with all kinds of other people. It depends on the play. And so I usually gather a lot of information, whether it's personal information or, in case of Vimy, historical information, and immerse myself in that. And then I just push that to the side. And then I try to write the best story I can because ultimately you... People want a good story. I want a good story. I want to go to the theater and see a good story yeah. and a really theatrical story and see something that I can only see on the stage. Going back to your earlier point, and then um, and then the process really varies. But generally speaking, I'll write a draft of a play and then we'll have a reading of it with actors and maybe a designer and they, they may have some input into it. And then I'll go back into my little cubby hole and write some more and then go back. And so it's this. Uh, it's always this. Um, the shift between being in isolation, very private, and then opening it up to a very collaborative experience and then taking that all back into a private situation and going back and forth and back and forth until you you end up on opening night, you know, with, with a play. So that's generally how I, I work very a lot with specific actors, directors, and designers to create the first production of a play. And then after that, I'm rarely involved. Uh, this play, Vimy, uh, premiered at the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton, and uh, you've had a very special relationship with that theatre. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the Citadel, uh, under the artistic direction there, Bob Baker, has been really supportive of my work, and they've premiered, I think, four or five of my yeah. plays there, uh, world premieres, um, Shakespeare's Will, Vimy, Einstein's Gift, uh, Bird Brain, which is a kid's show, and um, and uh, they've commissioned me to write a number of other plays. I'm working on a play called Patriots right now, which takes place here in Ottawa, uh, which deals with the constitutional uh, crisis in 1981 between Levesque and Trudeau. So we're, I'm, they've commissioned me to write that play, which I'm working on right now. And they, they've been super supportive. So they'll commission me and they'll pay me some money to start writing a play. And then it usually takes me between two and five years to finish a play. But that also means I'm also working on like five or six plays at the same time. 
Um, so it's kind of like a little factory. <laughs> and every year, you know, a new play gets, gets uh, heads towards production. And, um, and uh, the Citadel has been incredibly supportive uh, with um, the resources that they have there, back, the acting companies that they've been able to assemble for me and the designers and all that stuff in terms of developing the plays there. So I often go back to Edmonton from New York to develop work there, show it in front of an Edmonton audience, test it out, um, test drive the play, go back in. And sometimes they produce the play and sometimes they don't but they've always been very supportive of me as an artist and that's been I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that company and uh, Vimy was that did that idea come from the Citadel or has this been something you've always wanted to write about or well it, it's interesting because I I, I I had gone to France in 2002 or 2003 and I'd seen the Vimy Memorial and I thought wow this is amazing and I like every all of us we you know we've been we've been you know, brought up to know something about Vimy Ridge, right? And uh, but I didn't really know very much about it, so I went back and I thought, well, surely somebody's written a play about Vimy Ridge. And of course, yeah. with some exceptions, like Billy Bishop goes to war, where there's mentions of it, uh, nobody had really written anything for the stage um, about Vimy. And I thought, well, how can that be? And so I started to do some research, and then I finally started writing the play, and then I realized why, because it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody ever yeah, really we wanted to tackle it. <laughs> because, it, you know, it took me four years to figure out how to tell the story. Uh, but also, there was another story that I was interested in, in telling, and uh, that was about, I was interested in writing a play about two guys uh, who have a, a bit of a, a, an odd friendship in the White Shell. And I grew up in Winnipeg, so uh, I was interested mm -hmm. in telling you the story, um, and I was interested in the idea of memory and how memory is always connected to place, that we always remember where were you when you first kissed a boy or where were you when you know your mother died or where were you when this happened to you when you were a child we always have a really strong connection between memory and the a physical place and i was kind of really interested in that just thematically and bob baker said well why don't you put those two ideas together oh that's a good idea and so that's how Really, I started to find my way into the play after that was to combine those two ideas and start to look at Vimy as a play about, for me, it, for me, it's a play about memory and why we, mem why we remember some things and why we don't remember other things, both as an individual and as a country. It's, uh, as you say, like a, a very difficult... Uh, challenge in writing about Vimy and writing a play oh, yeah. for it. Like, where do you begin? What do you leave out? Yeah. How do you? How obligated do you feel to history and to the survivors of Vimy and their families? And um, well, you know, I try to be as historically accurate as possible, but it's not a documentary. It's a piece of fiction, and I always remind myself it's a play, right? And so, it, you know, people come to the theater. You got about two hours and then they leave. And so, you know, you're not, you have to kind of winnow down what you're going to talk about because you don't have the incredible canvas that you do in film or, or television or even radio for that matter. And so I try to be as historically accurate as, as I can, but not be a slave to it. Like, uh, that's really important because you know what? You can never win. You can never win. <laughs> 
and I've written a lot of history plays, right? I've written plays about uh, my, I wrote this play called Einstein's Gift, which also takes place during the First World War. I've written a play called Shakespeare's Will, which is about Anne Hathaway. You know, this new play, Lennon's and Balmers, they're all historically based. And I'm telling you, you can never win. There's always emails coming. Dear Mr. Thiessen, I recently saw your play, Vimy. It was fantastic. But I have to tell you that the Ross rifle was not used in that particular, <laughs> you know, you always get those, right? Dear Mr. Thiessen, I recently saw Einstein's gift, and I just want to tell you that Einstein didn't wear socks, but he did in this production. <laughs> and so, you know, there's always people out there who, who are fanatical about yeah. historical accuracy. And Vimy certainly is no exception. There are real... Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I've gotten lots of... Uh, uh, I keep on getting lots of emails. I make, I make fun of people. Of course, I'm, I'm hugely thankful that they even bothered to come see the show in the first yeah, place. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they took the time to email me and to write to me or to my agent in some cases. Um, so, but you can never win. So you have to eventually kind of give that up to the story that you want to tell. Um, and, it, you know, Vimy is a perfect example you know, here's this hospital room um, with uh, four wounded soldiers in it from four separate divisions. I mean, this really stretches any kind of uh, possible reality. But the idea is it's a play. And so the, a play is where things, uh, it's not about what did happen, it's what might have happened to use, to, to uh, bastardize Aristotle. <laughs> um. What do you th do? You think the story uh, is changed in the telling? This year, we lost the last yeah. survivor of the First World yeah. War, the last veteran, and does that change the meaning, or does it change uh, how the story gets told or understood for you? I like to think not. Um, I remember uh, one of the most nerve-wracking days of my life was the opening in, of Vimy in Edmonton in 2007. And it wasn't nerve-wracking because the play was going in front of an audience. Excuse me. It was because I had, for some cockamamie reason, I had decided that it would be a good idea for me to host a little cocktail party beforehand with um, a number of veterans. <laughs> and from, from the Second World War, Lancaster sure. bomber pilots, from the Afghan War, uh, from people who had fought in Korea to all the way down to, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the n new recruits. Obviously, they weren't drinking. But, um, but it, there was this huge cross-section of, of people in the services and veterans. And I just looked at these people and I thought, oh, my God, if they hate this play, I'm toast. <laughs> and I, I was really, really nervous. But I also, what I also learned is that the play, I think, um, not only speaks to Vimy. Vimy is just, uh, I'm using Vimy to talk about something else. And that is this idea of, of war, memory, um, nationhood, and down to our personal ideas of, about, about what these things mean to us as, as Canadians. And I don't, I'd like to think that really that that sadly that will not change because no matter how long this country goes on for, we're probably going to be involved in a conflict somewhere. Mm -hmm. And sadly, uh, and that sadly there will always be people coming back 
from those wars, those conflicts uh, that are damaged. And uh, you know, the, I was reading in the Global Mail yesterday or the day before that the now there's a shift. There's now we're at the shift where the amount of veterans in the country is about to shift where the Second World War and older veterans are going to, are, are now equal to the amount of veterans that are coming up from the other wars since, since the Second World War. Um, so there's going to be a lot of veterans in this country for a long time. And I think Vimy probably speaks to the experience of those veterans just as it does to the First World War, Second World War veterans. I was sharing with uh, some of our guests today a story that I want to share with you of, of uh, a young man who was at the, one of the previews this week who was 17 years old. And uh, I asked him if he enjoyed the show, and he said, oh, yes. And I said, what did, about it did you like? And he said, he pointed to the stage where the actors were, and he said, that could have been me. And he was 17. And, it, and, and I, I share that because... It reminds me of what theater can do. It can make uh, a very distant and what may appear foreign experience relatable, and that he could see himself in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, when the show went up in Halifax two years ago, which was the last time I saw the show, uh, in another production, obviously, there it was interesting because after, after this uh, student matinee, um, there was a bunch of kids who came down and uh, and presented me with this <laughs> with this great um, a kind of collage picture that they had done of Vimy, oh. and it was it was quite moving to have like these you know thirteen fourteen year old boys coming up to me and, and giving me this and so if the play sparks a discussion about. Uh, whether it's war or memory or whatever the themes of that particular production bring up, I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm really happy that there are uh, young people coming to see the show, not only because it's a great history lesson, I think, but also because it's, um, it's a theatrical enough experience for them that um, they actually find it kind of entertaining. You know, right. They're not bored. They see what the theater can do, as you just pointed out. Do you, is it important to you to tell Canadian stories? Because you've told both. You've told international stories, historical stories, modern ones, Canadian ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm working. When I tell people I'm writing a play about, you know, uh, those three days in November 1981. when our Does anyone in New York understand? That? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, not in New York. I mean, they're kind of going, Vimy, what's that? And I kind of go... <sighs> It's wow. the Gettysburg of Canada. You need to try to find some kind of common thing, but you can't because it is truly unique. But when, I'm talk, when I talk about people writing about Canadian topics, uh, I'm writing a play about Canadian politics. I say to you know, people and they go, really? <laughs> Aren't they boring? And I go, no, they're fascinating. We have so many great stories in our country's history. Why do we remember Vimy and not other ones, right? Why do we remember Terry Fox and, but, you know, poor Steve Fanyo gets, you know, is, is kind of relegated to the dustbin. What, you know, why do we remember some things and not others, right? Uh, you know, why do we remember the failure of Franklin um, and Louis Riel? You know, there's more plays written about Louis Riel than any other person in Canadian history, which is really interesting. Is that right? Yeah. I don't think any of them are mm. good plays, though. 
I'd like to go back to that. Somebody said, somebody said to me, you should write a play about Louis Riel. And I said, no, you should write a play about Louis Riel. There's already five of them out there, plus an opera and a musical, I think. So, um, uh. so I think there's, there, we have so many interesting stories in our, in our country's history that aren't being told. And, um, and so, yeah, I love it. I mean, I could just spend my whole life writing plays about, about Canada. Hmm. Uh, I want to, at this point, open up the questions to our guests here, uh, you, here this afternoon. And uh, I wonder if anyone here has a question for Vern about himself, about writing plays, or about uh, the production of Vimy that some of you are going to see this afternoon. Yes. Yeah. How do you write five plays at the same time? Yeah. The, the question was, how do you write five plays at the same time? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not actually physically writing them at the same time, because then I would, that would be really, really hard. He's got hard. one on the computer, one That's on the typewriter. Right. <laughs> That's right. I have things attached to my brain. Um, it, it really, uh, it's not as hard as it seems. I mean, it's, it's just that I, I, my personal process is that I have to go away from things and then come back to them and see them with fresh eyes. So, you know, <clears throat> right now I might be working on one play for a couple of weeks and then uh, I send it off and, or I put it away for a while and then I, I work on the a Southern Commission that I have and then I I put that away for, for a while. And some of the projects are nearing completion and some of them are very early on where I'm just reading about research. And, um, you know, for example, I, the Shaw Festival uh, has commissioned me to write an adaptation of some, a Somerset Mom novel of human bondage. Why I said that that would be a good idea. I'm not really sure because it's a huge novel. I've already adapted Wuthering Heights and I thought that was, I thought, oh, this will be easy. And then of course it wasn't. So, um, so you know, in that point, I'm just rereading the book, right? But that's part of the work. So, you know, it's just, you know, depending on what week I'm in, oh, it's Tuesday, it, it must be this project. So, and, uh, some, and then sometimes you're going into rehearsal with one project and then while you're in rehearsal, you're finishing off something else. So. It's, uh, it's, it's no different than um, uh, anybody else's work where, you know, you don't just sit at work and do one thing. You might be having five projects on your desk and you work on this for a little while and you work on this for a little while. Eventually you get that off your desk and you put the next one on. And so it's, it's really the only way that one could possibly make a living as a playwright uh, uh, in this country and even beyond. I mean, some people teach and some people um, um, have you know, side jobs or, uh, and I, I've had but those. Fern, there's gotta, there's gotta I've, be another thing that drives you because <laughs> it's so great. You're a very successful playwright and that's so fantastic, but there are easier ways to make a living. My friend, there, like, there are, there are, but like I said, it just doesn't bore me. I get excited about it. I think, wow, you know, I could go to my grave and not have written everything that I wanted to write. And so uh -huh. what a, what a, what a gift that is. And it wasn't a gift. It wasn't a gift. It wasn't something that I acknowledged until I was maybe 35 or 36 years old. I'm 46 now. So it was only, it's only been the last 10 years that I really took myself seriously okay. as a playwright. I, I really, you know, uh, it, it took a long time for me to go, okay, this is what I think I'm good at and this is what I think I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm. Except run that bed and breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What yeah. sort of research did Vern do for Vimy? 
Well, you know, I did all the standard research, which is to read as many books as I, as I, as I could stand, um, because there's so much written about it, and to read the documents, and the, and the, uh, the Department of uh, Defense has a, an official kind of history on it as well. And, you know, I read a lot of books. I, I went into a lot of archives. Um, every, every character in the play is based on somebody real, and so or based on a conglomerate of different characters. Yeah. And so, for example, uh, the character of Claire um, uh, that you'll see in the play is um, based on this woman, Claire Gass, uh, who wrote uh, a diary called The Diary of Claire Gass. And it's a great read. And uh, again, in Nova Scotia, one of the great things is that her, I think, great-granddaughter or something like that came to see the play and brought the original oh, diary wow. with her. And I was kind of floored Amazing. by that. So that kind of yeah. research, you know, you watch the, um, you know, the, the 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 Canadian War Museum. The the there's tons of stuff online. Uh, there, there's more research than you could ever possibly want to know about Vimy. And then, of course, going, I went back to 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 the site and with a really great friend of mine who's a guide there, cool. and we we went wow. over Hill and Dale, and so I could get a physical idea of the landscape. So I read a lot of books. Right on. Right. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen the play yet? No. Uh, well, don't tell them. Don't tell them. You'll see that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's so fun to hear that. Vera, you had a question? How do you populate your plays? <laughs> well, sometimes the population of the play really, um, and again, I hate to be so like to, you know, prick any balloons, but, you know, the population of the play depends a great deal uh, on who's going to produce it or where I'm hoping that it will be produced. And because you want, the, you want your right plays because you want people to see them. And um, so I could have put 20 people in this play. I could have put 20,000 people in this play. But that would be very hard to produce. And even six, a six-character play is very expensive for a small theater company to do in this country. So I had to really limit it. And that's why there, again, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's some doubling up of characters in the play. So, but how do I populate them? In this case, I really decided to do something very theatrical and just kind of very, uh, not bold, but just um, just kind of went for something super theatrical was to say, I'm going to pick four <clears throat> people, one from every region of the country or from different regions of the country, rather, and and a nurse, and I'm going to put it in this, um, in this hospital and... I'm going to give her uh, a boyfriend and really it was just about sitting down and kind of figuring out what the story was that I wanted to tell and how many actors I could do it with. Thank you. Yeah. 
could have written the play without having actually been there and seen those rolling hmm. hills. And so the question is... Just by reading, just by doing your reading research, could you have the, the question is about could Verne have written the play Vimy without the experience of having actually been there? Can you, can you do it just from reading or how, how important uh, was that visit? I, I like to think that I could. Um, I'll tell you, there's uh, two characters in this play that are from Nova Scotia. And before I, read, before I wrote the play, I'd never been to Nova Scotia. And, there's, um, and they're from a very specific part of Nova Scotia on the Bay of Fundy. And so I went online and I was doing a lot of research and I was phoning my friends in Nova Scotia and trying to get dialect stuff. And, and I talk about five islands and, and one of the characters talks about five islands in this play and I had never ever been there. So, so after I finished the play and it premiered, I actually went there and I was really terrified that I would go there and it would be nothing like what I had described. <laughs> like the feel of it, right? And so I was like just relieved. I was relieved uh, about that. But you know, we have, you know, when you're a playwright, you've got great teachers, right? Whether it's Shakespeare or Shaw or Carol Churchill or people who have written about places that they've never ever been to. And you kind of, you, but for some reason they managed to talk to people and get a feel for the place, right? So. Mm. Anyone else with a question? Yeah. Well, it's a terribly the, boring city. The uh, question was about the appeal to, to New York. <laughs> um, you know, it's a very practical move, and it wasn't a quick one. I've been going there for years and years and years. But, um, you know, we, we live in a country of 30 million people, and it's a beautiful country. But there's 30 million people on the eastern seaboard of the United States. And so it's not just about New York. It's about uh, Boston and Philadelphia and New Jersey and all the theaters in upstate New York and, and, um, and Washington, D.C., all of which are a three-hour journey from New York City. So it's really a practical move about trying to build a bigger audience for my work uh, so that I can continue to do my work. Um, it's, it, it sounds terrible for me to say this, but it really is kind of like uh, talking about exporting or something like that. I just want to continue to be a playwright. And I think, well, if I can get a couple more theater companies to work with in in, in New York and outside of New York, that just means that I can do one less shift at McDonald's or Starbucks. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's hard to make a living as an artist in, in any country, uh, but particular Canada, it's not easy. And, and, and it's not easy in the United States either. So, you know, I'll, I, I'll, my plan is to spend a couple of years there. I've been there for three years and I'll probably spend another two. And then, uh, and then eventually I'll come back. Right on. Well, we hope you come back to us again. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, Fern, for taking the time to be able to meet with us this afternoon. And uh, also thank uh, the great Canadian theatre yeah. company so much for partnering on this show and for hosting this event this afternoon. So thanks very much for uh, coming. And if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. Um, I know it's selling <laughs> well. And if, if, if you find something historically inaccurate, please feel free to email me. <laughs> thanks very much for supporting my work. It's really important to me. I appreciate Thank it. you very much. That's all for this edition of the Interviews Podcast. 
Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast sections of the iTunes Music Store. Click on Interviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa.